welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Like I said before, my name is Melissa, and my husband and I um, are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival Church. One thing that you may or may not know about me is I am a mom of three boys. And, you know, they always say no one prepares you to be a parent. No one, you can never fully be prepared, right? Well, no one prepares you to be a boy mom either. <laughs> um, and so it's just like one of those things where you, you know, you're thrown in to the deep end. And once you start to figure it out, they change, don't they? Um, it's just like life. It's just such a metaphor for life. You think you know, and then you don't. Um, and so anyways, one of the things of being a boy mom that I had to kind of adapt to is that I've never been athletic, you can ask my family. <laughs> I just wasn't blessed with those genes. And my husband is super athletic. You could, he could play any sport and he can do it well. And the boys, thankfully, have his genes because they love sports. They love to play, um, especially basketball. And so I have grown to love even, sometimes not so much, but I do enjoy watching the NBA games. Even so much so that the Lakers played in the finals on our honeymoon and we watched them play from Jamaica. So that's a good wife if you ask me. Okay, I gave up some time for the Lakers, multiple nights. Anyways. So basketball, basketball, they're always wanting to play basketball, and sometimes I'll join them, and they laugh at me. Um, and this last week, my oldest, we, I had a super productive day. You ever have those days where you're just like, okay, it was hard work, but I've made it. We picked them up from school, and we're like, it was a nice day, so we're like, go play. Go do you. And we just put our patio furniture out, so I laid down in the sun, and I'm like, okay, now... I can relax. That was the only thing on my agenda. My family was around me. They were playing. I can relax. And my oldest, I open my eyes. He does this when I wake up in the morning, too. But I open my eyes to my oldest standing there, staring at me. And I was like, hey, bud. And he had a basketball at his hip. And he's like, hey, you want to go play Poisel with me? Poisel is our version of horse. Um, so I was like, um why don't you play with your brothers? And he's like, I want to play with you. I was like, well, why do you want to play with me so bad? Like, I'm delaying the inevitable here. I was like, why do you want to play with me so bad? I'm not even good. And he paused, and he so thoughtfully said, you know what, Mom? I'm not even kidding. He said it like this. You're always saying that I'm growing up too fast. And you only have like seven years left with me in the house. And I just want to play basketball with my mom. And I want to spend that time with you. So that's why I want you to play. So you better believe I got up and I played basketball with him. And I thought, you know what, God is so good because the message this morning that I'm going to be talking about, it was already planned to be preaching from Philippians chapter 2, is on selfishness. And in that moment, I had a decision to make, and I don't always make the right one as a mom, I could admit. I could have chosen my rest and what I needed in that moment 
over what he was asking me to do, or I could have just played basketball with my son. And I would have missed out. I would have missed out on a moment of pouring in and investing into my son, who he will be leaving me one day. And he was so thoughtful to remind me of that. And I just thought that was so cool how God gave me an opportunity to lay aside myself and to see the benefit of what that looks like in my own family as a mom this week. This morning, the title of the message is Overflow. Overflow. And like I said, we're going to be pre- I'm going to be preaching. We're gonna, we can collectively, you can, you can be part of this with me. We're going to be going into Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 1. And as TJ set it up last week, this is Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. This was some 12 years ago he had planted a church, his first church. And now he's writing to encourage them and to address some things that are going on within the church that need to be addressed. And he's doing it from a jail cell. Can you imagine? Someone who you would think needs to be encouraged is sitting in a jail cell saying, oh, I remember that church I planted 12 years ago. They need encouragement right now. So starting at verse 1, it says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? He says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. He goes on and he puts it so, so clearly. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Will you join me in prayer? God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that there is power, transformative power in your word. And I pray that you would open up our hearts today, that we would receive it, that you would plant it deep within us, that you would help me to get out of the way and that your voice and your encouragement and your word would be heard and that you would have your way in this place and in our hearts and transform us into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you're probably wondering what this stuff is. Um, Don't worry, I'll get here. I have to set it up. So he says, don't be selfish. So we have to kind of go... And and define selfishness. What is selfish ambition? That's another way that he, um, a translation, he says, don't have selfish ambition. What does that look like? Selfishness, selfish ambition is anything that's focused on you and your wants, your desires, your needs. It centers on what you can get out of a place a relationship, a person, what you can get from a thing or a situation. Selfish ambition, 
thinks of your needs and your wants and your desires above anything else, above what God wants for your life, above others. And I just wanted to give a little bit of an illustration this morning on what that could look like to live a life full of selfish ambition. Because I think for a lot of us, we think, surely that's not me. I'm always pouring out. I'm always giving. I'm always serving. I don't have that problem. And the Holy Spirit's so good about convicting for the benefit of our soul. So let this canister here represent our life. And all of these pink golf balls in the canister are our daily decisions, big and small, that are hinged on ourself, trying to find happiness, trying to find you know, joy or peace, trying to make ourselves happy or live the life that we want. And so all of these little decisions of how we invest our time, how do we invest our energy, how do we spend our money, are we trying to buy happiness, they all go into our life, and we start to fill our calendars and our time and our hearts and our thoughts with all things hinged on self. What do I want? What can I get? How is this going to make me feel? And we live in a culture that encourages us to do what makes us happy. It gives us permission to say, if it doesn't make you happy, you don't have to do that. If it hurts a little, if, it's sacrifice, if you have to sacrifice to do it, you don't have to do that. If it makes you happy, then you can put it in your life. And we make decisions every day based on our own interests. And one thing that God got me with, and he's been working on this in me for many years, is like I said before, you know, when we think, oh, we're just always giving, we're always the one to encourage, we're always the one to pour out, we think that we're not really making it about ourselves, But I want to share this morning that even people-pleasing is a sin because it's all about you. The enemy uses it as such a lie to twist and turn and make you think that you're doing it for everyone else, but really at the root of it all is self. Are you making decisions? Are you doing for others so that they like you? so that they approve of you, so that you feel good. What is the motive in the things that we're filling our time and our calendars and our life with, the relationships that we have? At the core, people-pleasing is even all about us. And so then we have this life so full, so busy, not much room for anything else. And we end up feeling, and I think many of us can say this is true today, feeling exhausted, feeling burnt out. I have nothing left to give. And we read verses like this that Paul's encouraging the church and Jesus is encouraging us today and don't be selfish. Don't look to your interest over other people's interests. And you think, how in the world 
can I serve others above myself? I just don't have the time. I just don't have the energy. It's just too much. And many times when we get to that point where we feel like we just need something, we've realized that we've filled our life with so many things, searching for happiness that we could never find or create for ourselves. We're not happy. So we think, well, what can we do? We must need to try to do something for ourselves to make us happy. And that's when culture once again steps in and the enemy whispers lies, well, you know, you just need to treat yourself. You just need to do something for you. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing. Paul even said, he didn't say, don't look out for your interests. He said, don't merely look out for your own interests. But we have such full lives and we think, well, I just need to do something for me. And we might go to Amazon and buy now and say, treat yourself. And you just, <laughs> you know, or go make that nail appointment or that hair appointment. And you're just like, you know what? I'm going to do it because I deserve it. And yet, momentarily, it feels good. And we still come up empty. We still come up tired. We still come up lacking. Because what happens is that we have made our life so full and so about us and what we want and what we need that we have very little room and very little space for the only one that we need, and that's Jesus. We've left no space for him in our day, in our month, in our year, in our family, in our marriage. We've left no space for him to come in and to fill us the way that he wants to. And in the process, we've crowded out his peace and his joy and his voice and his presence. We can all be guilty of this in one season or another so full of ourselves and what we want, trying to make a life that we will be happy with, that we leave no room for Jesus. And what happens is, is that we go into our relationships with such a lack that we're looking for everyone else to meet our needs. We're looking in all the wrong places. What would happen if in your marriage, both you and your spouse were only concerned with getting what you need from it? Your spouse is there to make you happy. And you both had that mindset. I know we've all struggled with that. Even in my marriage, we've had seasons where we're like, okay, we have to sit down and talk about this. Because when we're all looking out for ourselves and only ourselves and trying to get our needs met and trying to find happiness, it creates division. It creates quarrels and fighting. It creates even greater unhappiness. Jealousy, sin creeps in because there's a better way. And Paul's writing to the church of Philippi to tell them there's a better way. We don't know all the details about what is going on in this church, but we do know that there is not a unified front. We know that there's disunity, there's fighting, there's division happening in the church that Paul feels like he needs to address from prison. 
Everyone was so concerned with their wants and their preferences and their opinions being heard and their needs being met. And Paul writes them and says, hey, have one mind, have one heart and one purpose, work together in unity. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. And don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. He said you have to have the same attitude as Christ, the same mindset as Jesus. And then he goes on to share the example that Jesus had in his life that he gave to us. What does it look like to have a life submitted to God? What does it look like to live selflessly, thinking of others above ourselves? He says in verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So I just want to break down for us this morning four different things that we can learn about Jesus from his example that we're called as believers to model in our own lives and live in his likeness. And the first thing is that Jesus walked in humility. He was fully God and fully man. He could have come, descended down from heaven from his throne and demanded that we worship him and demanded that we serve him and demanded what was owed to him. But instead, he humbled himself to the point of being a human form. Not only that, but a baby in a manger to a no-name family in a no-name city. He humbled himself to the point of death. And what is humility? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's not lowering our self-esteem or lowering our confidence in who God made us to be or the value that we had. Jesus didn't deny his power and his value and his worth as God. But he thought of others above himself, above his comfort, above what he would need. And that's what we're called to do. When he died on the cross for you and for me, he was valuing your life and your salvation above his comfort, above his own life in that moment. The second thing that we see is that Jesus served. He served. He lived a life of service. He's the greatest servant leader of all time. In Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said this. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. We look at his life and we can see humility in action. It wasn't just that he thought of others as more valuable than himself. He actually put it into action. He served people. He washed the disciples' feet. He taught all day long and then still performed a miracle of feeding the 5,000. It wasn't about what he could get. It was about what he could give because he knew that it would point people to the Father. So he served, and he calls us to do the same, to prioritize others' needs before our own. And the way that we can do that is because we know and trust that he's going to provide our needs. We don't have to work that out for ourselves. He's providing for us, and then from that, we can provide for others. The third thing that we see in the life of Jesus is that he sacrificed. It cost him. It cost him. If it cost Jesus his life to walk in obedience to the Father, it's going to cost you something too. Jesus said, follow me. He said, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It's going to cost us at times. But we can recognize that sacrifice is necessary if we want to grow into the likeness of Jesus. If our desire is to be as much like Jesus as possible and we want to follow his example, then there's going to be times where we'll have to give up our time and our resources and our talents. There's going to be times where it's going to inconvenience us a little bit to serve other people and to serve God. But our lives get to be a shining example of Jesus. And when others see us and the way that we serve and the way that we sacrifice and the way that we love, they actually see Jesus in us. And it brings God glory. And that's the fourth thing that we see in the life of Jesus is that Jesus lived his life to give God glory. Everything he did was to point to the Father, to give him the glory and the praise. It wasn't about what he could get. It wasn't about the accolades. It wasn't about the affirmation. It wasn't about all of the things that he could get from people. Everything he did, his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection, was to the glory of God. And others got to know God through him, and others can get to know God through us. If I could sum it all up, it's not about us. It's about God. Our life is not our own. Our life is meant to be poured out so that others would see him in us. Now, we have a problem here because you might be thinking, well, Jesus is perfect, and those are all good things, but there's no way. That's a tall order. How could I possibly follow that example with my life? Because the truth is, this kind of humility and sacrifice and service is not just innately in us. We're naturally selfish people. 
And so we always have this battle of our flesh fighting against the Holy Spirit in us. And it's also not something that we just get downloaded with. The day that we decide to follow Jesus, wouldn't that be nice if we just had his DNA? We have to choose to follow his example. Paul encourages us that it's a choice. Have the same attitude as Jesus. Choose to have him as your example. We have to adopt a different mindset. And he goes on to tell us how in verses 12 and 13. And this is where the encouragement comes. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in a order to fulfill his good purpose. God's not calling us to do anything that he's not willing to do within us first. And as God works in us, he's going to give us the desire to live and to act according to his purpose. But see, when we live for ourselves, the life full of self, and we're striving, striving for approval, striving for happiness, striving for peace. As we try to pour Jesus into our already full life, I want to show you how much we get. We don't change anything. And he just kind of sits in the cracks and spaces that we have. And this is the life he offers us. Living water. Everything we need. Peace and joy and purpose. And look how much is left on the table. Because we live our life for ourselves, And we have no room. We've made no space at all for Jesus. And I just want to paint this picture because ultimately what this is, this kind of living is, it's a lack of trust that God's not going to meet your needs, that God's not going to provide for you, that God's way is not better than your way. If you don't do it, God's not going to do it. You have to make your own happiness. You have to fight for what you want. And this is the living that the world will tell you is okay. And he's saying there's a better way. There's a better way because we come up lacking so much. Here's self, same image a life full of ourself, but what would happen if we choose to invite the Holy Spirit in to every part of our life? What if we chose to say, God, I want you in every decision I make. I want you to come into my life and to get rid of the things, the selfish ambition, the pridefulness, the empty pursuit of happiness. I want you to get rid of those things and I want you to fill me up to overflow. 
soaking up time in his presence, making space each and every day for him to move and to speak into our life and into our purpose. Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 38, he said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Let's see if this works. As we choose to make space for God in our day and in our life, and we say, come in, have your way. It's not about me. It's not about what I can get. It's not about all of my wants and my desires, but I want what you want for my life. And you ask him to come in and fill every space. He will rid you of all of the things that are keeping him out of your heart, of your mind, of your life, of your marriage, of your friendships, of your relationships. And the more that you invite him in to pour his presence into your life, the more that you will see. I'll give it a little help. His supply is endless. You were living thirsty and striving for all of your life, filling your days with what you thought you needed, trying to find rest for yourself, trying to find peace for yourself, trying to find joy for yourself. And his supply, he said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened and burnt out, exhausted. He said, you're exhausted because you're living for you. And I want to speak into your marriage. And I want to speak into your family. And I want to speak into your relationships. I want to speak into how you spend your money. Because I have a better way. Living water. Constant supply. And we make space. And what happens is, what overflows from our life is now a reflection of Jesus. Whereas before, the world around you might have seen someone burnt out and tired and depleted and lacking joy because all they saw in your life was you. Now, they see Jesus. Now, they benefit from the overflow of Jesus in your life. And this is a picture of what we have available to us each and every day. Each and every day we have living water sitting on the table and we're walking in thirst. Paul, when he wrote to the church at the end of chapter two, he said, I consider it joy. I rejoice and I'm glad that my life is a drink offering poured out on the altar for you. He's sitting in prison. He's going through suffering and hardship because he cares more about other people coming to know Jesus and following after him than himself. And he said, yeah, it looks like I'm just pouring out 
that I'm laying it all down, that I'm sacrificing, that I'm serving, that I'm giving up things, but I am joyful about it. I'm complete in Christ. I have enough in me to pour out and it's not gonna run me dry. So I'm happy that me being poured out for you is to your benefit. And that's exactly what he's calling us all to today. When we look at those verses and we see, oh, we need to serve and we need to sacrifice and we need to pour out our life, we don't have enough. Yeah, you don't because you haven't made space for Jesus to be enough for you. And I wanna just get really practical here today because I've been in those same seasons where I've been tired and I've been operating in my own strength and I'm burnt out. And a while back, Jesus just started to simply invite me back to the secret place, the place where no one else matters. It's just me and him. The place where I can come to him ragged and weary and tired and just be me before my God and invite him in to be everything I need in any given moment. And so for me, the sacrifice first and foremost that he was calling me to make was time. Will you give me some of your time? And I know, you know, a lot of people say, I'm just not a morning person. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I'm not my best self in the morning. But there's something about those first moments of your day, and I'm being really practical here, that you give to God and watch how it transforms you. Watch how it transforms your heart and your mindset. Watch what a better day you have, even if the day holds hardships. When you begin and end your day with Jesus, when you go to him to meet all of your needs, when you recognize that he is a steady flow, a river of living water, who's out to refresh your soul, to give you joy, to give you peace, to give you all that you need because he knows all you're going to need in that day. You're going to want to start your day there. So really practically, I have my phone by my bed, as many of you probably do. The first thing I do, I used to do, I got into the habit of like checking my email, checking social media, seeing if anyone texts me the night before as I was sleeping. And then immediately you're just in go mode. And God said, give me your first Give me your first 10 minutes. And so before I reach for my phone, I say, here I am, Lord. It's a new day. I don't know what it's going to hold, but you do. Here I am, Lord. Speak to me. Speak to me. And it's changed the game in my life. And I just wanted to share something so practical because I think that we think we have to go big or go home and we get so hard on ourselves. But what if we give God the first 10 minutes of our day? And not to say, God, I need you to do this and I need you to do this. He knows what you need. 
but to say, here I am, Lord. Speak to me. What do you want for my day? What do you want for the meetings I have today? How do you want me to be a blessing? Fill me up with all that I need so I can be poured out as a drink offering, as a sacrifice for you. And it turns everything on its head. Here I am, Lord. When we make our life about us, getting what we want, getting what we need, having, you know, all the feelings that we want to have, we leave so little room to be satisfied by the only one who truly satisfies. We leave little room for the living water to pour in, to do a work within us, and to overflow from our life. And that's when we start to get bitter and tired and weary and it's exhausting living for ourselves, trying to find our own happiness. And he says, there's a better way. Come to me. Come to me. And the better way will always produce a joy in you that the world could never give that you could never produce on your own. Even if you're being poured out like Paul, like Jesus modeled for us, even as you're being poured out, it's okay. Because you have the living water. If I had two hands, I could really do this well. It's okay. It's okay. Because you're spending time with the Father. Because you're in relationship. Because you're beginning and ending your day in his presence. Because you're looking to him and him alone to meet every need that you have. So when he asks you to sacrifice, when he asks you to serve, when he asks you to give up your time or your money, it's okay because he's going to continue to provide everything that I need. And here's the thing. We experience joy when we make it about him instead of us. Joy. J-O-Y. Jesus over yourself. Jesus over yourself will always produce a life of joy even if it requires sacrifice even if it requires serving even if it requires being poured out so that he gets the glory and this is an invitation this morning for every one of us to live in the overflow of the power of the holy spirit inside of us to live in the overflow of the living water that Jesus offers. And I think it's appropriate for a Mother's Day sermon because I look at the moms in my life and I feel like sometimes that's, I'm one of them and you just feel so tired and weary and the invitation that Jesus has for us Come, all you who are weary, just hits home because I need it. And I believe that there's many in this room that need to know that Jesus has that same invitation for you today. You don't have to carry the weight of striving or making things happen for yourself. Let me 
fill you up. Be everything you need and you will find joy and peace in me. <clears throat> we don't ever close a service without, you know what's weird? I didn't have the music behind me. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting something. You guys, Grace. I'd like to welcome the worship team up. <laughs> oh, there we go, some pads. I was like, I always give an invitation and it feels a little bit more spiritual. What's missing? No, but we always give an invitation at the end of every service because we believe that accepting a relationship with Jesus changes everything. He transforms us from the inside out. If we want to experience all that he has for our life, then we have to first and foremost invite him in. And that invitation is there for every single person. No matter where you're at in life, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what you did last night, the invitation to be filled to overflow by the power of the living God and a transformation in Jesus is there. He died on the cross for you for you to come into relationship with him for all of eternity. He's forgiven every sin that you could ever make. And he was resurrected and ascended back into heaven and he's preparing a place for us. So he invites us to come, that he would be your everything, that you would walk every day in relationship with him. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to invite you in this moment to hear his voice, his invitation to come. You've been striving, you've been tired, you've been trying to do it all on your own, and he says it's exhausting. You don't have to do that anymore. Come to me. Step into a relationship with me. Invite me into your heart. Ask forgiveness for the things that you've been doing or living in, and I'll forgive you. And your sins will be as far as the east is from the west. My grace is sufficient. My love satisfies. And if that's you in this place, and maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus before, or maybe you found yourself running in the opposite direction for far too long, I would just like you to be so bold. And when I count to three, raise your hand, because I want to pray over you in this decision that you're making to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. One, two, Three, if that's you in this place, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just pray with me right now. God, I thank you so much for the love and the forgiveness and the sacrifice of Jesus as he laid his life down for us. Something that we could never earn something we could never deserve in our own right, but God, you've given it all up for us. 
And God, I pray over every hand raised, I pray that you will continue to do the good work that you've started in their life today as they invite you in to their heart and to their life, that your Holy Spirit would begin to transform us all into your likeness, forgiving us and washing us clean and giving us and making us a new creation in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we praise you for the gift of salvation and walking in a life of overflow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we praise God for the people in the room that have committed their life to Jesus as all of heaven celebrates? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. We're going to close in response with worship, but I would just like to invite everyone to stand in this place. Let's get the blood flowing a little bit. Because I want to give a second invitation. You don't have to raise your hands, but I do invite you to pray this prayer with me. And it's an invitation to say, God, I'm sorry for the places and the things that I've been doing that were all about me. That I've filled my life and my time, my calendar, my heart with so much of myself, I've left no room for you to work. And I just want to pray together a prayer of invitation for the Holy Spirit to come in and to clean house and to make us new and to help us to want what our Father wants for our life. And then we'll go into song. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence. May we not take it for granted in this place today, God. You are here and you are moving and you are working and you have an invitation for all of us into more. We've been running on empty. We've been tired. We've been serving out of our own strength and sacrificing for our family out of our own strength. And it's just left us so dried up. But God, I thank you that the invitation this morning is that your Holy Spirit would come in to our heart, come into our life, come in and flood us, fill us with living water to overflow. Pour in, cleanse us of the places in our heart that were full of selfish ambition, striving to meet our needs and satisfy our desires. Coming up short, we repent of that, Lord. And we ask that you would come in and that you would help us to want what you want for our life. Help us to want what you want more than what we want. And God, I pray that you would fill us to overflow so that people would see you in us in the way that we love, in the way that we serve, in the way that we sacrifice, that we would be willing to be inconvenienced to obey your promptings and that we would see you move through us like a river flowing of living water. Satisfy our soul, refresh our spirit in your presence right now and we give you all of the praise 
and all of the honor and all of the glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.